Dear Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to come together to to read your word, to understand what your word has for us and how we are to operate in your word. Thank you for this chance to strengthen each other, to encourage each other, to build each other in this season as you commanded us to do. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the peace that you've given us that enables us to go through the storm. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you can remember, there used to be a TV show that was called Fear Factor. And it went on for a variety of seasons. And what was so interesting about the show that really, I think, caught a lot of people's attention was that they came up with all these different tests that the contestants would face that would test their fear. It would challenge, you know, how they were to overcome things that they were either uh, had experienced in the past that maybe they were afraid of or things they've never even thought about. And it was it, it was quite interesting because it was always something new. You know, sometimes it was like having spiders crawl o- over you or eating some weird part of an animal or whatever the case may be. And and the more they were able to overcome their fear, the closer they were able to get to winning the prize and the reward that they had set out for them. And this show was, like I said, was very intriguing to a lot of people. But tonight, I want to talk about the opposite of fear, and which is faith. We're going to talk about the faith factor and what it represents for us who say we believe. You know, there's a lot of fear going on in the world today, but uh, the truth is we ought to focus more on the faith and believing as a believer than the fear that exists in the world, because there's as there was in the TV show, a reward for those who overcame their fears. Uh, there's a reward for the believers, those who are walking in this faith for those who overcome uh, in their faith, those who rise up in their faith. And the Apostle Paul, again, just outlined some interesting details and facts about faith and the reward that's set up for us who believe, who hold on to our faith rather than let go of our faith due to fear. And when he uh, is in prison, interestingly enough, he writes uh, about the day of the Lord. And it's not what a lot of us hear about today. It's not what many of us see being portrayed uh, in any type of topic or discussion today when it comes to uh, the return of Christ, the the rapture, or the you know the apocalypse, and all these different things you hear prophets or preachers or whoever it is that try to describe or at least track the end time, um, because obviously uh, there's a lot that's going on in the world all over the world today that questions uh, that has many questions whether or not uh, we are getting close to the end time. But here's what Paul says about the end time. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, he says in verse 1, 
But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him. You know, when you read about this, you look at how Paul being in prison simply because he decided to hold on to his confession that Jesus is Lord and pursue his calling as an apostle. He writes to the Thessalonians something that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really fit the logic. If you see all this chaos in the world that's going on during the time that Paul was in prison, the, the persecution of the first church, the first century church, you would want to hear more about, well, come Jesus, come now, hurry up and get here. We need you to rapture us up, to take us home, to do away with this evil. But Paul doesn't even say that. Paul says, out of all the things that he has written and he explains and he talks about, he reminds him of, he says, when it comes to the return of Jesus Christ, the times and the seasons, the wickedness that run and rampant and all the things that's happening in the world. He said, I don't even need to write you. We don't even need to talk about it. He said, because that day, you know, it's going to come like a thief in the night. See, there's a lot of false prophets out there today. A, a, a lot of uh, uh, fearful teachers who are trying to track the return of Jesus Christ. They're trying to pinpoint certain events that are happening in the world today with all the, whether it's the vaccine, whether it's the politics or the economy. Uh, you know, they're saying, well, you know what? This looks right about the time and the season that Jesus is coming. So let's start having this discussion. Let's have this concern about it. Obviously, there was some talk about it. People were probably reaching out to Paul, giving some help requesting that he gives some type of uh, direction or guidance because it was so chaotic in that time. Exactly how it is today in many, many parts of the world. But Paul says what you ought to do is instead of discussing the time and the season, instead of worrying about all the things that's happening in the world, he said, let us actually uh, put on the breastplate of faith. And love. And, it, and he said also, the helmet of hope of salvation. 
And see, why did he say this? Why did Paul say this rather than start talking about who's in, who's running the land, who's in office and, and how's the economy looking and, you know, what's going on with the health crisis? He, he, the reason why Paul outlines this is because he said those who believe in God, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he said that God has not appointed us to wrath. He hasn't appointed us to suffer, to, to endure the, the, the anger of God that's coming on the world because of disobedience. So we ought to, as he says, and you read down in verse 11, he says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you're also doing. He's telling us that we are to uh, build each other up, to share our testimony, to go back and remind each other of the word, to be there to support each other and not get caught up on what's happening on the news, in social media, in our jobs or whatever crisis is happening in the world today. See, as believers, we're supposed to have a, a different kind of focus. Our mindset and our, our vision, our aim, shouldn't be on what's happening around us. And the reason why we lose so much peace and joy and happiness is because we've lost sight of what we ought to be doing. You know, we're getting tossed all around by what the enemy's doing. Because we're not following what Paul is telling us to follow here. In verse 12, he says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Again, Paul isn't even talking about what's happening in the world. He's not even talking about his own situation. Serving time in prison, facing the inevitable. And in verse 14, he says, now we exalt you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the fainthearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to another, but also pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. I mean, if you look at this verse 14 and verse 15, Paul is telling us to be completely opposite of what we're seeing happening in the world as we speak. People are are walking eye for eye. Those who are faint hearted are being left behind. The weak are not even being paid attention to. And, and patience has went out the window for a lot of people. But he's telling the believers, listen. We have a different focus. We have a different objective. And that's to take care of each other, to build each other up in this chaotic world, in this current situation, in any other time uh, that we live on this planet. He also goes on to verse 16. He says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Like I said, this is this is absolutely uh, you know, phenomenal to hear someone locked up in prison saying rejoice always. You know, this is not the prison of America where, you know, you can call home to your family members. You can get a tablet, you know, you can get postcards and goodies from the store. This is this is hardcore. No heater, you know, 
wintertime suffering Paul's going through. And he's saying rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. In verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. He's saying this is these three things is really the essence of God's will for your life. Not focus on the hell that's going on in the world today, the evil. You know, we got to turn off the news. We got to stop scrolling through social media's uh, updates about what's going on. Because all this is meant to take away the peace, the joy, the sound mind, the love, the care that God has implanted in us. You know, we got to remember the Bible says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And because this is his world, he's the king of this world, the prince of this world, then he's going to use every avenue at, he can to steal everything God has given you. In verse 19, he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Again, make no mistake about it. Social media, mainstream media, people who don't walk in this faith. He's going to use every avenue he can to bring evil into your eyes, to your heart, to your mind. To really to get you to do the opposite of what he's telling us here in this letter that he writes to the Thessalonians. And in verse 22, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, that may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless as to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we get saved, I've talked about this before, it's such an important piece to this letter is that once we get into this faith, we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We become saved. But then we still have to live the rest of our life because we didn't depart this body. We're still walking in this flesh. And Paul is telling us that there's a sanctification that has to take place. The whole spirit, the whole soul and body to preserve us blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to cleanse ourselves from our desires of this world. Our desires to focus on the next update that the enemy's putting out to us. You know, we all, if we're honest enough, will admit that we have battled or still battle with this. Because it's interesting. Who wouldn't want to know what's quote unquote coming next? What's the next CDC update? What's the next economy update. Who wouldn't want to know? That's a natural thing. That's part of the flesh. But when we're walking in this faith, we're not a part of this government system. We don't operate on the principles of, of this world. You know, our blessings, our healings, our peace of mind, our state of being comes from the kingdom of heaven. And we have to cleanse ourselves from this this mindset that we just have to know what's coming next.
I can tell you without opening my eyes and no one saying anything to me. I can tell you what's coming next. More lies, more evil, more game plan, more hatred, more wickedness. That's Satan's game plan. That's what he's done since the day he was in the garden as a serpent working to deceive Adam and Eve. He's not changing his plan. He just has more resources now because he has more people to deceive versus the two he had in the garden. So we have to cleanse ourselves of this. We have to get our minds and hearts into the will of God, which is to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, you know, and in everything, give thanks. And in verse 25, he says, brethren, pray for us. Greet all brethren with a holy kiss. He says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. And he finished with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. It is by his grace that we can still do God's will. Even when we mess up. When we fail to get it right, when we make decisions, we know we got no business doing. It's his grace. It's his grace that allows us to get back in the fight when we decided to lay down. Or when the enemy just hit us so hard that it seemed like there was nothing else for us to do but lay down. His grace, as Paul said, is sufficient. And we have to utilize that grace. We have to understand the magnitude of that grace and get ourselves back into this fight. Because as Paul continues to talk throughout all of his letters, he always reminds us that we are in a warfare. That we are in a battle. This is a continuous fight. Over and over again, he makes it known because sometimes we miss it. We think it's just simply about believing and then carrying on. No, there's a war that exists in the spiritual that tries to take our faith and twist it, nullify it, you know, make it seem like it's really not worth it. But back in verse eight, he said, let us who are of the day be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and the helmet, the hope of salvation. Those are two pieces of armor that we have to have to do battle with the enemy. So we don't concern ourselves. We don't get thrown off and worried and terrified about the day of the Lord. I don't know how many times I've heard when this thing happened in 2020. Believers come out and say, oh, Lord Jesus, come. Hurry, come, Lord, come now, come quickly. Over and over again, I've heard this. But nowhere in Paul's teaching or any of the apostles, nor in Christ, did he say, hurry Jesus along. When you see these things happen, Paul is telling us when we see the times and the seasons and things occurring, he's telling us this is when we need to hone in on being the brethren, the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, edifying each other, building each other up. You know, this is why he said, I, I exhort you. He's saying, I'm, 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 I'm pressing, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm driving you, listen. We got to do this. This is the time never like never before to come together as the body of Christ to build each other up. And not be like the people of the world who are just 
falling all out of life because of what's happening. The day of the Lord is going to shock a lot of people. A whole lot of people are going to be just completely at all surprised. But when we continue in this word, we continue to keep our eyes on the will of God and be obedient to his will. We won't be surprised. You know, like I've shared before, you know, the one of the big things that happened uh, when all this happened in 2020, one of the big requirements or, or not requirements, excuse me, expectations was that people stay home. They, they, they leave their jobs, they stay home, they separate from each other. They don't do. I said, listen, I knew that this is how the devil operates. Immediately I knew it. Because why would why would God want us to separate? I say, well, you know, it's because it's protecting of your health. Well, uh, anybody who have walked the faith in the time of Jesus Christ and his apostles, when people were sick, they came together. They laid hands on one another. They prayed for another one or they anointed each other with oil. And people were set free. They were healed. They were covered. They were kept. But the enemy knows that when two or three are gathered, their crisis is in the midst. So we got to we got to disperse the believers. We can't have people coming together, praying the prayer of faith, anointing people with oil. Because he knows how it works. He knows that if we can separate, we can isolate us. He can get us to focus on the opposite of what Paul is talking about when it comes to the day of the Lord. Send us into a, a, a corner hiding and terrified, praying for something that God never told us to pray for. He told us to be the light, to be the salt, and to do this even more as we see the day coming, not less. So this is the faith factor. And in this factor, this faith, it determines what we receive. It determines if we are doing the will of God, if we are walking out his purpose. We have to stay in this word. It's critical. It's, it's paramount. And we have to stay among those who believe as we believe. This is the time to get caught up in the wind and the waves of this world. Because this is what the enemy is using particularly to cause us to lose faith. The Bible says that because of all these things will happen, though, that, that people will not only depart the faith, but they will lose hope. And the worst thing you could do is lose hope. Because once you've lost hope, what else do you have? He knows that. So he bombards us with all these different messages and these images and uh, these theatrical uh, performances and displays about what's happening around us to get us to say, you know what? I'm not sure about this thing called faith. I I'm kind of doubting the one named Jesus. It gets you to question what you know you've been confirmed in your heart. Like I said, his game has Hasn't changed. It's the same. He plays the same game. He lines up the same way on the field. It's the same identical way. He waits till he can get you in a place 
when you're not walking with God. And this is when he says, well, are you sure the word of God said that? Are you sure this is a promise that God has given you? Because remember now, back in the Garden of Eden, the serpent had nothing to say when God was in the presence of Adam and Eve. But it was when they separated, when he had left the garden, here comes the liar. Here comes the deceiver. And they fell for it. So with the Holy Spirit, we have to be led step for step. Because when the Holy Spirit is with us, the enemy can't do a single thing. And no matter how many lies he tell us, we'll always be able to decipher the truth and stand on that truth. So I encourage each of us to continue to read his word, meditate on the word of God and apply his word in every situation we encounter. And when we fall short of the glory of God, do not stay there. We have to get back up. Keep coming back to God. Because as the Bible said, he's faithful. His faith does not fail. As it says in verse 24, it said, he who caused you is faithful. Who also will do it. His word will not return to him void. Let's stay in God's word. Let's stay in his will. And let's continue to make a fool out of the enemy. You know, I'm blessed in such a way that I, I was op able to open a gym, something I've been wanting to do for a long time. But there's been so many uh, obstacles and struggles and trials and tribulations and you name it that came against what God has put on my heart. And now I'm actually doing it in a season that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, I heard a guy come in and talk to me today about a gym up the street. And they had to close because they had received enough participants. But I tell you, when God says he chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, he meant exactly what he said. When everything around us is sinking and falling apart, and people are focused on whether it's the time for Christ to return, the apocalypse, the end time, we are supposed to be a completely different look as believers. Because God wants to use us as proof, as evidence that he is exactly who he says he is. The Bible says that his eyes go to and for the earth looking for those who are loyal to those who he could show himself strong to he's looking to fortify somebody he's looking to shine through somebody i encourage each of us to be those people that god can use to shine through dearly father we thank you for this day we thank you for blessing us we thank you for shining down upon us we thank you for this word allowing us in Reiterate your truth, to stand on your truth, to be empowered, encouraged, and fortified. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the examples that are set before us through your apostles and through Christ, who showed us what living for you, God, really looks like. 
We pray that we continue to walk out this faith boldly and without any doubts. And that faith in you will be the only thing we focus on. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.